Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm your host, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Not much. Just thinking about S.H.I.E.L.D. a lot more than I probably need to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about Dunkirk and 1917, oh, so, you know. Other good, wars. Good, a slight a slight break <laughs> yeah um, dude, a slight break from fantasy war for real yeah, war. yeah. um i it, we're recording at night which is unusual for us and i had dinner um with my dad a little bit earlier and um he was telling me his like vietnam war stories and like oh my god he was like at the front lines the entire time he was there i didn't like i didn't know any of the shit because he doesn't talk about it but he was like telling me all this crazy shit and i was like oh my god and he told me like the um the uh company number that he was with so now i'm totally gonna like go research it and see like probably even more crazy shit than he even told me happened um god it's fucking crazy he was saying that like they were on one mountain and like another company was like on another mountain and like the radio guy from their company like went to the other mountain and it was supposed to be him because my dad was the one that was trained in the radio shit to like for like the air troops to like bomb the area properly without like killing their own people. And the dude that went to the other mountain died because like the like <laughs> uh, air troops dropped shit on them on accident or something happened and like they all blew up. And so my dad was like, oh, that's crazy. That could have been me. That was supposed to be me. It's like, oh, my God. That's bonkers. I know. I was, well, and where your, your dad was on the front lines, you know, stationed like, like, uh, before he, like, he was deployed, like, when he was out there. Cause I, I was just thinking, like, it's so bizarre. My dad didn't see any action, but he uh, was in the Air Force. He, he was going to drop out or he was going to either drop out or be flunked out of college. <laughs> and so he decided, oh. oh, you know what I could do is I could just join the Air Force because that way, I won't have to do combat because I have such bad eyesight. I can't oh fly God. planes. <laughs> he, he he like rigged the system and he and he got it to pay for the rest of college, even though he was going to flunk out. Uh, yeah. Oh my, God. my dad's like the most responsible person I know, but I think like he didn't start that until he left the Air Force. But yeah. uh, but he repaired radios and communication devices and shit. So it's like like my dad could have like made your dad's radio that he used yeah. to like stop people from bombing the wrong people. <laughs> like, Very well my dad was an airborne infantryman. I don't oh, interesting. I don't I don't know anything about military anything. So I just know that he jumped out of planes and he did he was like frontline like infantryman and he was also trained in radio. He was trained in a lot of, he I guess he was part he was part of the 173rd Airborne Brigade combat team. Oh, crazy. Which they are now based in Europe. But it, if so, he was telling me, I just looked it up on Wikipedia. He was telling me about the Battle of Doc To or Doc Two. I think it's Doc To um, in Vietnam. Um, and this is, this happened like right before the Tet Offensive. Um, my dad's told me that like Tet started happening like a week before he was supposed to be like uh, discharged. And so like he woke up and they heard all this shit happening and he like talked to his office, his commanding officer was like, Hey, I'm supposed to be discharged in a week. Can I just like go get on that helicopter and go? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he like barely got out of there. Like, man, so that's crazy. For, for, fortunate. <laughs> just fortunate for, like luck after luck. Right. Just like, just happened to not be the dude who went on the wrong mountain 
happened to get Ooh. out of there before Ted Offense came in. Anyway, total sidebar. Like that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it be crazy if it did? <laughs> like... I just thought it was really fascinating because I'd never heard any my dad doesn't tell me war stories obviously because i am his daughter and that i don't know maybe he feels weird about that but he's getting older and so more things are coming out and i'm like oh wow no, that's my, my, my dad did the only thing he really told us about it was that he advised my brothers and i not to join the military mm-hmm. he was just like it's not for you don't do that <laughs> like, my dad so. was drafted so he had no choice <laughs> but yeah, he i feel like my, my dad volunteered but regretted it like almost mm. immediately after it was just like this isn't good <laughs> yeah. yeah my dad was he told me all kinds of crazy stories um and that was just today so <laughs> <laughs> just in like an hour i found out all crazy shit. Oh, my god and that was just an hour of my time that was like years of his life anyway yeah. <laughs> um we are part of the But Why Though podcast community. <laughs> you should be sure to check them out on But Why Though PC on Twitter and butwhythopodcast.com. We are super proud to be a part of their community. This is season four, episode seven, Deals with Our Devils. It is titled, uh, written by DJ Doyle, directed by Jesse Bochco. I don't know if I said that for the other episode. Maybe. I think I think you did. Okay, cool. <laughs> if not, whatever. <laughs> flip it in real quick um originally aired november 29th 2016 um if you have forgotten since last time uh fitz colson and robbie have disappeared within roxon um uncle eli is the baddie and simmons is still on her mysterious assignment for mace and nobody is able to get a hold of her he's basically Um, gone from slightly evil engineer to like just evil wizard oh yeah (laughs) he's got he's a god he can create things now (laughs) great it's great um roxon is empty um mac and may can't find any evidence of an explosion um and they're like you know colson's not here i can't find fits like i don't know where anyone is let's go try to find eli apparently some shield agents catch up to eli and they radio it um and eli materializes this carbon spike in his hand and they're like sir please drop the weapon and he drops it and then he materializes carbon spikes in their chests and then he walks away and makes a wall in the hallway so no one can get through and may and mac come and they're like yeah this was eli this sucks um so may escape daisy uh mac and may are going over the footage from the lap uh rocks the power plant i don't know what to call this refinery a power plant right sure <laughs> well, it's an oil company so right uh, it might be a refinery i don't know rocks and oil power plant <laughs> i don't know it's whatever um they're going over the footage and they see that everybody has disappeared and everybody's like like oh no like they're gone and daisy's like no we're not giving up like weird shit happens like like and like maybe they're just like you know it somewhere else like who knows and may's like well, or maybe they're gone and daisy gives a very good argument that colson came back from the dead fitz pulled simmons out from another planet and robbie's headlights on fire like weird shit happens in shield and mac realizes he's like oh we need simmons like we need to call simmons like she's the one who can analyze this and maybe we can fix it and mace is like trying to calm everybody down he's like this is really tragic like this is awful um you know like we need to be prepared to like for the worst or whatever and then may tells them why eli turned um and suspects that he was behind all the gang hirings to find this box in the first place and now mac wants to go after him and mace is like no like he killed four four agents 
with like the snap of his fingers and he'll he'll he will have killed a fifth agent if you go after him like we need Gemma first so I'm gonna go call him or call her (laughs) um and then May is like director like um if you're gonna talk to Simmons like and he's like I know who Fitz was to her like don't worry because he's gonna have to go tell her that uh he disappeared and it's I don't know Mace is being sweet but that doesn't last very long as we find out in a few um we find out Gemma is in some like contained lab and uh there's that guy that we saw in uh Senator Nadir's house <laughs> who's uh like office or lobby I don't, or yeah or I don't or... I was like oh, I don't know um, it, it was like a den right it's like like yeah I guess Anyway, it's someone who she loves that's in a Terragenesis husk. And so this it, she walks in and this this person is in this husk and she's like fascinated. She's like, I've never seen one up close before. Usually it happens so quickly I don't get a chance to see it. And so this this subject has been in his husk for seven months. And she's like, oh, I, wanna, I wonder who it is. And the guys that are there are like, we don't care who it is. Like, that's not for you to know. We just want to know what he will become. That's why you're here. But it's it's her brother. Exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I also, we I did not. Here. The previous episode, we did not mention that we do all spoilers. <laughs> but oh yeah, we're not really worried about that anymore. Well, I feel like if they're listening to this, they should already late. Know, right? the, like, I feel like we gave that up in season three, right? We were just like, Fuck yes, it. right, okay. like, like not the very beginning, but we did. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe if you're listening to, but. If Don't be surprised, though. Whatever. We talked about spoilers. If this is your first episode, sorry. It's Senator Nadir's brother. Yeah, here weird <laughs> weird, cho- weird, <laughs> choice to start off. <laughs> I guess if you just wanted to watch season four because you're like, oh, like I heard it was really good. Like, I get it. So, okay, cool. Thanks for being here. We talk about spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> um, so Mac goes and he tries to talk to May and May is like, what if Daisy's right? Like she really wants to believe her and she pulls the dark hold out of this backpack and she's like, I have a feeling I can't explain. And Mac is like, no, we are not doing that. Like Colson said very specifically not to open it. So we shouldn't open it. And then Mace interrupts very conveniently. So May hides the backpack and he's like, I know how to find Eli. Um, the Chinese dude that was like, um, that basically went nuts like May and died like May was supposed to. He was in prison with Eli. Um, so uh, we can go back to the prison and see, like, find out what, what they know um, because they were obviously working together in prison. And Mac is like, let's go. And Mace is like, no, no, no. We need to sharpen our axes and get ready. And Mac has this line is, my axe is plenty sharp and I have a shotgun. <laughs> um, but Mace overrules and he's like, we're going to go, me and May are going to go back to base with the boxes and get them to get them to Simmons and we'll figure all this out. And May's like, oh, you talked to her? Is she okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I talked to her. She's fine. <laughs> like, it's very clear that he's lying. Um, and May, May knows because obviously, like, he would have had a more, like, emotional response since she had to find out that Fitz disappeared. But whatever. <laughs> also, May's an android. Um, <laughs> maybe her android powers can, you know, pick up lying. Who knows? Um, so Gabe is feeling guilty over Robbie and Eli, and he's like, I "Know them? Like my family? And like they just have these dark secrets?" And Daisy's trying to comfort him. And me- in the meanwhile, Mac is putting these dead agents in body bags, and. Um, Daisy and Gabe are still talking and suddenly the hangar door opens and Mac 
is like gets on his motorcycle, turns on the motorcycle, which I didn't even know there was a motorcycle in the fucking Zephyr, but they're getting ready <laughs> to fly away. And then an agent is like, you need to stop that. And Mac just like punches him and like he goes flying against the wall and he just drives away on the motorcycle. Which, oh my almost, gosh. What is- almost a <laughs> ghost ridery thing to do. <laughs> right? A little weird. And there's a motorcycle. Where did that come from? <laughs> like, I feel like that is maybe Max motorcycle. Oh, yeah. It but but <laughs> just it being very convenient. But this is the first time I think we've seen him on it since the episode with his brother last season. Yeah. And then they said <laughs> the, the watchdog set those motorcycles on fire. So this is a new motorcycle. It's not that. True. So- very good point. Yeah, Although so. setting it on fire would be would work for this guy. <laughs> Maybe it was foreshadowing for this season. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. I kind of don't put it past them in a weird right? way. Oh my god, that would be so. That was season two, or was that last season? No, that was last season. Last season three. It was, it was really. last season. Yeah, because watchdogs. Okay. Anyway, we find out Fitz and Coulson are alive. Um, and they're kind of like wandering around, like we go back in time to like when they, after the, the weird blast thing first happened, um, and they can see May and Mac, but they can't be seen. They're in some kind of weird ghosty state and you know, they, they can hear what's going on, but no one can hear them. Yeah. This is what I was talking <laughs> about at the end of the last episode. This is a trope yeah. that I've seen in so many things. Like I feel like every sci-fi show, every adventure superhero show has something like this. And oh, sometimes yeah. it's just one character and like, they've got to, I've got to get a message through <laughs> they find oh, yeah. some way to communicate to push the thing or whatever and and invariably they either or it's either through magic or through science they are made to, to everyone thinks they're dead but yeah. and and they may think at the beginning am i dead <laughs> and, and, but by the end of the episode they're like oh no i'm definitely not <laughs> like, and I feel like there was an episode of Buffy like this, the sci-fi show Eureka. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure at least one, if not two episodes of Next Generation. <laughs> they were like different. I'm sure. But like I'm it sure. feels it feels like I've seen this in everything I've ever seen. But oh, yeah. like Mo and Jen are good. good at, yeah, they do <laughs> they they run a tight ship and they they think this shit through. So even when it feels familiar or or maybe even a little bit tried and true or whatever, like like, like like it never feels rote. It never feels like this part of it isn't anything that's predictable. Like, like they're going to do new things with it. It's not going to yeah. like reinvent the wheel or whatever. They're going to at least use it to get interesting character shit. And there's a reason for it or a thematic reason. Like, like mm-hmm. they always do a really great job with the familiar and with stuff that I think maybe is overused in general, but like, I don't know. I don't feel like they lean on that stuff as much as other shows. Like it's not something that, we we i feel like every episode isn't just what trope are we tackling this time yeah. like some shows trope you know? of the week yeah yeah they i definitely agree like they use the tropes but they use them very effectively and i feel like the characters are so well characterized already by now and they have such good actors playing them that they 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 sell it and they don't they like there's just enough self-awareness in this episode that's like, oh, yeah, like all these terrible th- – like Fitz has a line later. He's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. All these terrible things are happening, but you can't hear us, so whatever. <laughs> like, it's just oh, like- Also, I feel like a little bit of this trope is the thing that we've talked about now from the beginning of the, sh- of the series pretty much, that the ongoing through line of this series is the romance between Fitz and, and uh, Simmons, and it is that they can never be together yes and this episode is like a literal like she's 
She's taken away, and they, and he doesn't know where she is. He knows it's because of Mace. It, he he is the least trustful of Mace of any of them, and he's like mm-hmm. furious at him right now because because of what she, he finds yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he sent her away, you know, because of the deer and blackmail and whatnot. And he's, he's so resentful and upset. But it's really not even about that. It's it's about this physical representation of this ongoing separation. Like no matter how happy they are, no matter what's going on, something's keeping them apart. And right now he's in a different plane. He's out of phase of her reality. And this is happening when they're, it's the first time they've been together as a couple and they're having all this crazy, like subtext shit because he's upset Mm -hmm. that she's not forgiving him and she's not forgiving him because he's not really listening to what the problem was, (laughs) why it felt like a violation. Not that he actually did fuck up on a rule, but that it just hurt her. But but, 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 like, I feel like this is like a really, uh, very brilliant, like way for them as as writers, like to, to, to bring this metaphor out and like combine it with the way the story is going. And like with the way, just the way the whole season's arc is. And like, it's almost like their shit in the midst of all this magic and science converging has like sucked in Coulson and uh, Robbie as well. Like they're like, they've been dragged along. I feel like on the same level of like, yes, I absolutely love that idea of like, it. it's like poor fucking Fitz and Simmons can't catch a break. But also May and Coulson are kind of going through the same thing. It's just not as a deep, not as on a deeper, I can't talk. It's not as well-developed as Fitz and Simmons at this point because their romance is like just started. But it's like there's even more separation because May isn't even herself, and like Coulson is still trying to reach her. <laughs> and, well, and, like, and I think that they're they've had a further length to go. Like their their separation was there was larger to begin with because like the only thing getting in their way to to begin with for Fitz and Simmons was themselves and lack yeah. of awareness. Either him not knowing how to express himself and her not even realizing how she felt yet. Mm-hmm. But with with May and and Colson, I think it's different. I think they actually they are very aware when the show starts of how they feel about each other as far as caring about each other. And I think they're probably they're fucking adults who were in the field together for like ten years. Yeah. I'm sure that they know that they're attracted to each other, but yeah. they're also not in any place to act on it because she's still dealing with her shit with Andrew. They're not even really forced yeah. yet. They're just separated and I mean they're and Colson died. Yeah, yeah. And Colson <laughs> is still is still recovering from death and you know our namesake project he and like the weird ptsd and like fake memories and shit like like they're both in a bad place to start a relationship and not really able to act on something so i feel like i think you're absolutely right like like it is i think the fitz and simmons one is more obvious mm-hmm. but they're but the through line that really is ongoing for the series it, are those those two romantic relationships and i like it because in a weird way even though it doesn't make it's not the basis of the show even though it's even though it is something that's ongoing continuing but it's just cool because in a character like daisy like we've talked about how she's already kind of gone through her shit like like this is the last stage of her development this season the, yeah. the next several seasons seasons she goes through shit she has to deal with stuff she deals with Colson being gone the most recent yeah. season but she but becomes like, the leader yeah, and and, and she's yeah. still who she is. Like, she's mm-hmm. gone through her trial, come out the other side. She's gone through her her heroic journey, and she's gone. She she's come out of the epitome of the hero, and she's a superhero now. And like she doesn't re- require a man. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't. She's not defined by her relationships. She's not defined by having a child. All these stupid tropes 
that women are forced into every time. It's either a romance or having a kid or both. Yeah. Like in these kinds of mythical stories, I feel like they're very gendered. And like hers is she's still a woman. It's still part of who she is, but it's like, she's also not at all falling to that trope. And it's kind of cool. Like, like that, that even though every other character does have their kind of tr- true love that she doesn't have, I feel like in a way it makes her the strongest. <laughs> like, well, I personally feel that Robbie is her true love, but he could always come back. <laughs> well, and I'm, I, well, and I, I'm okay with that. I feel like, just the, like, like, I just feel like the show doesn't push, push it oh, like no, it does everyone else. And to be fair, like, I feel like other than Fitz and Simmons, it's not really like a cosmic true love thing, even though I think May and Coulson are meant for each other. Clearly they're written to be together and they are. Yeah. Or just the characters are great together and yo-yo and mac are fantastic together but they're they're also all of their relationships even the romantic fairy tale one of fitz and simmons are flawed and real too mm-hmm. like because like we're big fans yeah. of these guys like like yeah. jed and mo do a great fucking job we can't say it enough i think like yeah oh i i love that thank you for bringing that up that's beautiful God, they're so good. <laughs> they are, they're, they're, like they layer shit in this show in a they way really like do. it's it, it bums me out that it gets such a I think a bad rap because of the way things shook shook out with uh, Perlmutter and and, and yeah. Fee and like resentment and and pettiness is what stopped this from being cohesive and yeah. what stopped them from developing alongside each other and and other people like. Have, given up or dismissed this show entirely because it's like they feel like they were lied to and on some level they were but at the same time who gives a shit (laughs) yeah but honestly the season four is the probably the best season i think in my opinion of what i've seen so far because i haven't finished season six yet still (laughs) um and it doesn't rely anything going on other than agent carter it doesn't really rely on anything going on in the it's like completely disconnected from it pretty much like it's kind of tied to dr strange it's kind of tied to agent carter but not really like there's no cosmic event of like shield being you know overthrown by hydra with with um uh, uh winter soldier and there's no like civil war situation you know what i mean like this is its own show at this point like completely on its own so it's like it was om- it's almost as if this is like where it shines is in its own storytelling with its own characters. Like it doesn't need the other stuff. It's fun to have the other stuff. It sucks that we like didn't get more of it when I guess they had the chance to do that. Um, But it doesn't, it like at its core where, where, what makes it a good show is the writing, the layered writing, the characters and, um, and 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 the representation <laughs> like it it's true i feel like that's truly what makes this show great and and the the economics of it just like having everything have meaning um I, it, I agree um like you know like we were sold that this was going to be like a huge tie-in for the mcu but i don't think like we were led into the show for that but we didn't stay for that because yeah. here we are at season four and there's nothing really in the MCU tying us to that. And we are like all in, and this is like the best of, of shield at this point. I, I completely agree. And I think it's important for people to try to remember. I mean, if you want to be a reasonable person and not just like be angry for no reason and, 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 and create meaning where there is none, like this was, we weren't lied to We were sold something that was false, but it changed 
Like yeah. they had to roll with it. It's not like, oh yeah, that we didn't really mean it when Sif was in it. The last two times she was <laughs> in it, we were fucking with you. You fell for it. Like that, that, that never happened to them or to us. Like they, they had to roll with it and they made it a, I think an even better show because they had already had a strong foundation that, that like you said, it made use of those cool things, but it wasn't dependent on any of, of it. Like that yeah. wasn't the reason why it was a high quality show. And it's what brought us into it. Yeah. But the, it's, it's amazing. I think that you'd mentioned it before earlier, but the one uh, extra component would be, I think the performances, you know, like, mm-hmm. like bring all those things together. They, they, it's, it is legitimate representation and the writing reflects that as well. And, and, and I don't know, it's just, good they do a great job and uh, i'm very appreciative of of what they've been able to put together and it's like like you said this doesn't really reflect the films at all at this point the closest thing this season has to any tie-in with with anything is there's a mention a, a dig at what's going on in the comics at the end of the season yeah and it sort of ties into sony's ghost rider <laughs> <laughs> that's about it oh god yeah um so where are we? Fitz and Coulson are alive. They're in this trope, ghosty trope. Yeah. <laughs> interdimensional trope. Robbie is also alive and he runs into Eli and he runs right through Eli. And so, he, oh, great. You can't hear me. He watches everything that Eli does with him killing the agents and him making the wall. And it's this scene is really Robbie's like, he can't hear me. He can't see me. And then Coulson runs up to him and he's like, we see you. And I was like, that line was so meaningful. <laughs> Me, Robbie is having like an identity crisis right now. Like, oh yeah, he, after everything happened he, with Gabe, yes, and now he's seeing his uncle turn into this like this this villain, and he's just like, oh my god, like who am I? And and Coulson for to have Coulson come up to him and just be like, we see you. I was like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> like the double I, meaning. He is yeah. so like our Obi Wan on the show. I know. Like, <laughs> I was just, I was just like, oh my god, that's that's wow. Um, well, and and it wasn't, it wasn't when the scene had just started. Like, it, like it, I feel like I, I was paying attention, but I feel like I didn't quite get it instantly. But this is starting from what we already saw. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening not in real time or or, or in successive chronological time, but it's happening. It, it, like it rewound. To the mm-hmm. first scenes, the first like three scenes, and it's redoing them from the perspective of the ghosts. Of, yes, uh, well, ghost, yeah. ghosted characters. <laughs> ghosted it takes a new meaning. <laughs> um, and um, so the next scene is everybody's on the Zephyr with everybody else the whole time that they're talking. And Robbie's like, he's like, I feel really sick. Does anyone else feel sick? And they're um, they're starting to have a hard time hearing uh, the people who are in like real reality. And Fitz like is like, oh what I think happened is like, we're trapped in between two dimensions. Um, he's like, Oh shit, I need to call Simmons and tell her we're trapped in between two dimensions. And he takes his phone and he's like, Oh, that's not going to work. And then he realizes he's like, you know what? I think it's only a matter of time before we disappear forever. Like we're going to just slowly fade away. <laughs> so it's like, Oh great. Now there's a time, time period on this that needs to, needs to happen. Um, Fitz and uh, Mace in during this time, Mace, walks away to go call Simmons quote and Fitz and Robbie decide to follow him. And um, Mace goes into the room with the PR dude and the PR dude mentions Nadir and Robbie is like trying to talk to Fitz. He's like, are you, aren't you a doctor? And Fitz is like, hold on, hold on. Cause he realizes like who they're talking about and who they're talking to. And Mace is on the phone with Senator Nadir. And he's like, Oh, you know, like he's just, 
basically gives away that the reason where Simmons is is like for Senator Nadir and he's basically working with for her or with her and Fitz is like oh fuck no I don't like this and then Robbie's like I feel really cold and Fitz gets distracted and he has to run over um or no Robbie's like I feel that (laughs) I feel cold and Fitz is like yeah yeah what Mace is doing is cold and he's like no I'm cold like I'm sick and so Fitz has to go over to him and is like okay um we need to, you know, we need to do something. And then Coulson, meanwhile, is in the Quinjet with May and he's like yelling at her. He's like, May, can you hear me? <laughs> like, it was just like this hilarious scene. Um, and she, May, is alone, but she starts talking to Coulson, not knowing that he's there, obviously, but she's like, you're not allowed to be gone. And then she starts talking about how they have this bottle of alcohol that they were supposed to drink together, like, back in the day. And she's like, what are we waiting for? What the hell are we waiting for? <laughs> Which, that's their moment of Felinda finally coming around, but it's not really May, so it sucks. <laughs> and then and it, also- It sucks because, like, other than her, like, prime directive to infiltrate and whatever- she is connected to May and like, yes. but like based on her, like, 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 so this shit, this is real. Yeah. This, yeah. this is coming from a place from an authentic place inside of May, but it's also not like, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I know. And then Coulson is there and listening to all this and he's just like, Oh, okay. Like, what do I do with this? Like, she can't hear me. And he sees her open the backpack and get the dark hold out. And he's like, no, no, no. And then he's like, Mac, do not let her open that book. And he's like yelling at him. And then Mac is like, okay, please don't open that. And then Coulson's like, thank God someone's listening. Um, he, and then- <laughs> he's, uh, he's Patrick Swayze, a ghost before he meets Whoopi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Um, I, I love I love knowing a couple of people who do the show. Be like, I don't know what that means. It's like, like they'll probably probably know what the movie Ghost is, but yeah. maybe I don't know. Probably maybe, but you guys should all watch Ghost. It was a classic. It won yeah, Whoopi Goldberg an Oscar, and now she's just able to say crazy shit. <laughs> now she just gets away. With it. God, like I don't want to marry anybody because they live in my house. <laughs> like. <laughs> great. Anyway, Colson can hear Robbie screaming because the writer doesn't want to go. And Colson's like, You guys can't hear this, really? Um, and so Robbie's like on the ground in the Zephyr, and Fitz is like, What's happening? And Robbie's like, the writer, he doesn't he knows that we're leave, we're disappearing and he doesn't want to go down. He's trying to get away. And he like like uh Robbie like like levitates up into the air and is like screaming. And um, the writer leaves Robbie and the writer finds Mac. <laughs> and that's why Mac got on the motorcycle and rode off into the sunset off the plane. <laughs> he was the ghost rider. Um, so Daisy decides to run after him and she gets in Robbie's car and he's like, oh, no, I got to go with her. And so Robbie gets in the car, too. And May comes out and is like, what's going on? And Fitz is like, oh, nothing. Max, just the ghostwriter now, but you can't hear us. So <laughs> bloody hell. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Um, so Daisy is like driving through the streets of L.A., following Mac around on his motorcycle. Um, and meanwhile, this next scene is very funny for this show. Um, Mason May are on base and he's like angrily yelling about he's like, I can't believe they just went off without orders and they didn't even have a helmet. <laughs> But we can really appreciate that. We can. The Ghost Rider doesn't need a helmet, to be fair. <laughs> He's a flaming skull head. True. The one instance where it's probably okay is when yeah. it's clearly a fantasy creature. <laughs> it's like if a centaur were in a sidecar. Yeah. It's like, I'd probably be like, well, whatever. 
it's probably fine. Um, and this next line, like Mace talks to the PR guy and he's like, see that the younger Reyes brother gets some counseling, which is like, I think everybody needs counseling at this point. Like, why aren't you all in therapy? Um, but Radcliffe is in the lab. So they called Radcliffe because they can't get a hold of Simmons. And Ada is there. May brings out the dark hold and Mace is like, cool, there's a there's a manual. We'll get started on this, guys. And he leaves. And May, so the dude Nathanson that was in the lab in the first episode of season one, who I think, was it May or was it Mac? I can't remember. Somebody told him, like, who are you? Why are you here? He's like, you can't be in here. Um, Nathanson is standing there and May is like, hey, get lost. <laughs> like, he's telling Nathanson to get out of here. And so Radcliffe opens the book and then he sees what's in there and he immediately he immediately closes it. He's like, this is too much for the human mind to bear. And May is like, well, I'll read it then. Like, what the fuck is your problem? He's like, no, you will go crazy. We can't do this. Like this, even if I had decades, I couldn't understand this. Um, meanwhile, Gemma is still working on the inhuman BJ. BJ, right? Is his name BJ Nadir? I believe so. Brother Nadir, whatever. Um, she sees that his heart rate is elevated and she's like, oh, I bet he's nervous. And so she asks one of the dudes that's in there to lower the lights because um, she thinks it'll help. And he's like, no. And she's like, look, you brought me here because I have expertise. And if you want me to help this guy, you need to keep me happy. So turn off the light and get the fuck out. <laughs> so she pulls I, the I, I feel like it's something that sort of is a little bit of character development specifically from uh, – from what just happened with her and Mace a couple episodes ago. Oh yeah. And like her kind of putting one over on him or gaining leverage over him. It's like, I don't, she's not power tripping or whatever, but she's, but, but she's gotten a little bit of like taste of assertiveness. Oh yeah. In, in, in a way, I think in a work in this like shield work setting, that she hasn't really had outside of her and, and Fitz's lab in the past. Yeah, very true. Um, she is the boss lady now and she is pulling rank. Um, even if the, these people don't work for shield, she's like, you need to keep me happy. I'm the expert, which, oh, is- and you were correct. Uh, it's VJ Nadir and okay. he'll be played by Manish Dayal when he is out of that thing. <laughs> um, which we'll find out in just a minute. Um, so she takes off all her gear and she starts talking to him like a human being. She introduces herself and she's like, you know, I know it's really scary, but I have friends who've gone through this and they're, they, they're okay now. Um, and she takes his hand and um, we see the back of the husk start to crack. So she's getting to him. Well, I also like that she like fails to mention the parts like, you know, I've had friends who've gone through this. I was totally racist towards her for a I while. I know. Like I almost completely stopped thinking of her as a human. It was bonkers. But now I'm cool. Oh, <laughs> now I'm cool with you guys. Totally mad. Oh, well, it's fine. <laughs> She's turned over a new leaf. We'll just forget all the racism, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Chinatown gang is running away because Mac, the, Mac, the writer, is coming. Um, Daisy mm-hmm. sees these dudes running out from the warehouse. And so she drives in and she hears Mac talking to someone, but it's not Mac. It is the writer. And oh my God, he looks so cool. He turns into like this flaming skull head and it's like, oh, it, it looks so good, even though it's sad that it's Mac. Um, and then we go back and we see everything from Robbie's perspective. So um, Daisy kind of like scrapes against a, an alley wall as she's like following Mac and she's like, oh, it's fine. It's a self-healing car. That's, you know, like not scientifically possible. And Robbie's like, oh, like that only happens when I'm the writer and I'm not the writer. So my car is all scraped up now. He's like getting <laughs> upset. And then he looks outside and he sees that the sky is getting darker and he's like, oh, we don't have much time. And Daisy like goes to a stoplight and he's like, okay, 
the Chinatown gang is like, left, go left, Daisy, go left. And he's like, gets frustrated and he hits the dashboard. And it's like, it goes along with that trope of like, oh, we got to communicate somehow. And the left turn signal just happens to turn on. And Daisy's like, Robbie, <laughs> like, are you here? Um, and so Robbie's like, God damn, I love this car. Thank God. Um, so back in the lab, Bradcliffe and May are still arguing about the dark hold. And they're like, okay, like, we can't like who's going to do this we have to do this like people's lives are at stake like are you really going to just like let fitz like die like really are you, are you going to be the one to tell simmons that and then ada standing there is like i'll read it <laughs> and may's like oh are you a scientist you're braver than he is cool you read it and he's like oh no no this is a bad idea and then he has to and then he's like well uh he has to explain what Ada is to May and Ada starts saying like, you know, I was meant to be, a, I was meant to be the shield <laughs> and Radcliffe's like, shush, you're developing a catchphrase. <laughs> and so Radcliffe is still very like averse to this. He's like, no, this is not a good idea. Um, but May's like, no, have her do it. Like she was built for this. Like if, if something happens to her brain, you can just reboot her, right? It's fine. It's a computer. And he's like, okay, okay we're gonna do this um colson and fitz are in the room while all of this is happening so we see this from their perspective um and fitz is just like standing there pleading with ada and he's like please i'm i don't know if you can hear me maybe you can hear me and it kind of seems like she can hear him because right after he's like hey read the book read the book read the book she's like i can read it and she kind of looks over at them like out of the corner of her eye and colson is like what the fuck is happening and Fitz is like, oh, she's an android. It's fine. And he's like, uh, what? Like, that wasn't your call to make. And Fitz is like, well, it wasn't your call either because you're not the director. And he, like, kind of lets all of this out that he's mad at Coulson for stepping down. He's like, you dropped, you and Daisy gave up. The rest of us had to step up. And he's like, we built Ada to protect agents like Lincoln because Lincoln died and you guys all fell Um, And then uh, <laughs> uh, Fitz is like, yeah. And then you let a director come in who has betrayed Simmons. And then he gets all upset about Simmons because he's like, my God, like we haven't spoken and we left on a bad note. We were fighting. And then Coulson just becomes dad Coulson. And he's, he just comes up to him and just comforts him. And it's so sweet. He's like, it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to get through this. We're not giving up. And now we see that Ada is reading the book and the book looks blank. And then we see it from her perspective and it's in ones and zeros. It's in binary because <laughs> she's a robot. <laughs> Oh, God, this is not going to end well. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Simmons starts taking the husk off of uh, VJ and um, she sees his face. And as soon as, as soon as she she's like, he's like, hi, Gemma Simmons. You know, it's nice to meet you. And then as soon as she starts to ask him for his name, the people who she's working for show up and take her away in a hood. So she doesn't get to find out who he is. Um, Robbie and Daisy are in the Chinatown gang's warehouse. Robbie goes to find Mac while Daisy's like fighting off all of the gang dudes and <laughs> Robbie goes up to Mac writer and is and and the writer is like finally we get to speak face to face and the persona that Henry Simmons takes on to be Mac as the writer is so creepy <laughs> like he just has this really like creepy devil voice when he's talking as the writer it's ugh, it's very unsettling yeah, it's very ominous and yeah, and it's good though. That's good. Um, so uh, meanwhile, at the base, Ada and some random shield agents are building this apparatus. Um, and it's like a door, it's like a gateway, and Ada puts these gloves on to control the gateway. So she's like making all these little like 
it looks like little lines in the air. <laughs> and it's basically going to open up uh, the gateway to another dimension. And apparently Ada can hear them because May's like, what is she even doing? Like, are they even here? And um, Ada's like, they're close by. They're here. Don't worry. Um, and then suddenly Coulson starts getting sucked away into another dimension and Fitz has to grab onto him and is like, you have, you can't give up. Like you have to, you have to keep fighting. Like it's implied that Coulson has given up fighting like at this point. Um, and it's funny because to, to me and Radcliffe, it just looks like Ada is like drawing in the air. She's doing anything. And meanwhile, all this is happening that they can't see. Um, at the warehouse, the writer tells Robbie, um, you know, you know, you, it was cool having you, but Mac has a lot of pain. I could survive off his pain for years. And Daisy shows up and she can only hear Mac. She can't hear Robbie. And Robbie is begging the writer for a new deal. He's like, I still have a score to settle. Like, I still have to get my at my uncle. Like, I haven't been able to finish that. I need you to be able to finish that. And he's like, let's go for a new deal. I do this and I will sell settle all of your scores. And so the writer agrees and Mac returns and Robbie is still not there, but he knows what Robbie did for him and whatever for him, for, for Robbie, whatever. Um, meanwhile, Ada's done it. She's built the portal. Uh, they turn on the machine and the portal opens and they can fits on the other side. And may tries to like run after them. And Radcliffe's like, no, 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 don't do that. That is certain death. Um, and they get them through the portal and um, Radcliffe is like hugging Fitz and Coulson and May are just like looking at each other because like clearly Coulson knows how May feels about him and like we clearly Coulson knows how May feels about him. I don't know what I said. I said no. That's what you said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I thought I was saying Coulson. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um. Yeah. Just like the way that Coulson's looking at May, it's like through a different lens, I guess. Like, Which is oh. just so sad. <laughs> I know. Fuck. It's like, hey, this robot kind of likes me. I know. <laughs> he does not know. Um, so Fitz runs down the hallway screaming at Mace, and he's like just about to call him out on like what he overheard in that conference room. But Gemma returns and interrupts, and he just immediately runs to her. And it's like, I don't know why she's so emotional, but I, I understand why he is. He's like, oh my God, I almost died, and we almost didn't see each other ever again, and I didn't know you were. And Meanwhile, Gemma is just like, I've just been doing science stuff, but okay. <laughs> but I guess whatever. <laughs> Maybe had a fight. Like, it's, it's fine. Be emotional. Um, May and Coulson are talking about how they're going to go open that bottle. Date. And then Daisy shows up and is like, hey, Max upstairs. I think he needs to be alone for a while. And it seems like Robbie's gone. And then Daisy just leaves. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Mac is in the room with the portal looking at a photo and the word hope is written on the back with a date and we find Aww. out and I think the next couple episodes that that was his daughter that died and so he's sitting there that is his pain that the writer was talking about and he's just like a fucking mess sitting there just like remembering and suddenly to interrupt this very sad moment Robbie just like returns through the portal gateway um, and he's standing there and Mac is like I know what you are and Robbie says, do you want to help settle my last score? <laughs> oh, shit. The very unseen is Radcliffe is playing his guitar drunk with sunglasses on inside, like singing a song about Ada. And meanwhile, Ada is in one of the rooms, the lab rooms, making a brain with the gloves, which is not going to end well, as we know. And that's the episode. <laughs> no, it's it's creepy. I guess there's one. Uh... Dude, and her face like. 
what's her i forget the actress's name that plays her uh mallory jensen yeah her she does such a good job at playing creepy android because she has this look of fanaticism it's like an android looking fanatical which i didn't like she just does a good job <laughs> of looking no, at she's it. like she's Kill. really symmetrical and like she's very good at that like kind of weird like mannequin robot face like it's it's cool because i feel like other people who could pull off a robot like it, it's just totally deadpan it's like like mm-hmm. it's effective and it's good but i feel like honestly too it feels like the only times that maybe it's really explored are with women for whatever reason but like mm. alicia vikander in ex machina and mm. S- summer glow in the terminator chronicles like i feel like or sarah connor chronicles the terminator tv show i feel like uh, them as well as Mallory Jansen as as uh, Ada, like they really do a good job of like they're they're using that like deadpanness to like to convey either emotion or lack of emotion. Like mm-hmm. it's something that I don't really see a lot in like my robots. I feel like lately for for, for a minute, you know, <laughs> I, I'm thinking generation. I totally got that, but like every Terminator has been subsequently less interesting as far yeah. as like like the actual even if they're good actors like well maybe it's because like terminators like terminator like they they are a killer robot dude thing but i feel like i mean ada is trying to be human like she is designed to pretend to be human so is alicia vikander's yeah so is alicia vikander's character so it i summer glow kind of to an extent is she's got the the data or pinocchio thing right yeah yeah they're like trying to pretend to be human but the way that they play these characters of like they are almost human but there's just something a little bit off yeah she's she's like a combination of the classic terminator and that that character no absolutely yeah you know who really nailed it i think because she's not an actor is shirley manson also in the terminator chronicle or sarah Connor chronicle she played she was in it as a, one of the liquid metal terminators. And oh. she was actually like, she is like even more of a good guy than summer Glau's character. Spoilers for a show that's been canceled for like seven, <laughs> eight years. Well, I haven't finished it. So, oh man, but, but no, tell me. Cause I'm well, probably going to, well, point. the, ba- just the basics of it is that her character is like, actually just like legit good. Like, like, like summer Glau's character isn't bad, but she's also like very much, at the whims of who's been programming her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas like the, this other, uh, this character played by uh, Shirley Manson uh, from garbage of all things yeah. is actually like, like independent and like was a high, a more highly evolved like version of their species is more highly evolved. The AI and it's like, isn't dependent on this shit is like basically self-programmed, but also has come to a realization like in this cycle where they keep, like they're like Swiss cheesing history with all the, with the efforts of both humans and Skynet to like send people back in time. They're like rewriting history. And in the course of the show, there are people from different futures, like who have like, Hey, I remember you. It's like, yeah, I remember you too. You died. No, I didn't. And we had a baby. (laughs) Like literally like, like crazy shit by the end of the series. And I love the way it like integrates all the different movies in a weird way, like acknowledging like they've altered time like that's why it's why they don't all fit why it only acknowledges the first two movies yeah it's really because they're the only good ones but (laughs) but but but, uh just like the the way it all kind of came together uh she is from a faction of 
artificial intelligence that is separate from Skynet that is like the only way this ends yeah. is we work together is if we find John Connor and we get him on board and, and say, you've been using Terminators now since you were a kid to survive. And the only way that humanity and the robots are ever going to get out of a cycle of killing each other is if we stop and just work together. That's cool. Okay. I need to watch this now. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. And like, it is just interesting to me that like at some point they stopped writing interesting AI parts for men. Like even like everybody who tells me I, uh, that I should give Scarlett Johansson a chance, which at this mm, point is like maybe nope. one person still. No, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't seen it, but they say that whichever one where she's the robot voice that she's really good in it. And I'm like, man, eh, whatever. Like, I believe it fine. I know Mel Gibson's a good actor. I've seen a bunch of it. Like, yeah. I don't want to support him anymore. He's a scumbag. He says exactly. crazy racist shit. <laughs> like, yeah. who cares? I know. <laughs> I, I, I am absolutely sure she's capable of good acting. I've seen her be really shitty in a bunch of stuff, but I, I also believe, like, I know that people have all, I, I, God, look at Natalie Portman. Great in some movies, not that great yeah. in other ones. Like, it yep. depends on directors and writing and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't, I'm, I'm never going to see Marriage Story. I'm never going <laughs> to, like, like, I totally believe it's good. Don't give a shit. <laughs> nope, me either. I don't want to support her. I, I probably won't see Black Widow either, <laughs> to be honest. Not in theaters, anyway. You, you know, no, exactly. I said I'm going to wait for Disney Plus. It's coming. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I'm going yeah. to. I, I I went to see Jojo Rabbit, but I didn't know she was in it. <laughs> oh, you honest. got hoodwink, man! <laughs> I hate I, that. I, I wanted to support Taika as well, like supporting diverse filmmakers. But then I was like, "Fuck, she's in this." She was actually very good in it, but I was very upset. Whatever. Anyway. Mm. No, I totally get it. And like, you got to support who you want to. And I don't judge other people who, you know, have different lines that where, where they draw the line or whatever. Like you said, like, man, like she's not anyone. Well, here she is nominated for like two Academy Awards. And where are all the women of color that should be nominated and the women of color filmmakers? Like, just that's what's upsetting is that she gets the recognition for this. And yep, then it's, it's falls by the wayside. Well, and that she's literally gone back and forth. Like people are like, I, I recently heard someone say, "Oh no, she apologized." Did, did no, she, she again? Because she because <laughs> she keeps apologizing and then doubling down, and then like it's like she said the whole tree thing after the initial like like problem with because she refused to acknowledge there being any problem with Ghost of Michelle. Then Rub and Tug got canceled, where she was going to be a trans man, and she bitched about it. Then apologized while still kind of bitching about it, where she's like. Like, like, I'm sorry, I didn't want to be be offensive and I should have done it, but now the movie won't get made because I'm not going to produce it. It's like, you could still produce it. You're the producer. It's your money. You could you could be the one who says, I'm going to beat, beat the broken system and actually cast a trans person. She made a choice not to make a financial risk because she's a safer bet than mm -hmm. because of her star, star power, which is fine, but like, don't act like you had to quit. Like, like uh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a guaranteed not fail failure for me, even though every one of her uh, solo-led films has been a box office bomb. Like, yeah. like, like, even though it's only because of insurance and shit and, and getting paid an exorbitant amount of money, but she's, she hasn't lost anything in yeah. those endeavors. But, you know, it's just like, 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 like we talked about a little bit, I think on the podcast, and I know in person as well, or one-on-one, -on -one, but like, it's like James Gunn. It's like, I've gotten over it where I'm, I don't wish him ill will. And I think it seems like maybe he did learn a lesson, but I still don't want to support him. And like, yeah. and like her on the other hand, 
I don't believe it. It's like it's like a no. child who only apologizes when she fucking has to, and then immediately when the pressure's off, is like, oh no, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Like it's like a spoiled child, and I, she's not. She's a grown woman and a, and a talented actor. It's like there's no fucking excuse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. She's right. Uh, She's, I, she's one of the worst. She's gonna like go up there with Cruz and Paltrow. Oh, don't even get me started with the fucking. Oh yeah, the Netflix shit. show. Oh god, yeah. I'm so upset. Fuck you, Aaron. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> if you're listening, um, oh, no, I do like someone. Was, was it you? Someone was telling me that they're gonna uh, live fact check it. That a few people. Oh, it was said, not me. I do not want to hate watch that shit. I don't oh, I'm, I'm not going to. But like, <laughs> like, like someone was telling me that I think it was like some of the same people maybe even jen gunter like the the obgyn oh yeah one of her nemeses yeah i think it was a couple different people who are like actual authorities were like oh i'm gonna fact check it i'm gonna stream i'm gonna binge it when it drops i'm gonna fact check it live on twitter and like that's fucking cool like i'll i won't watch it but i'll retweet that shit i'm sure oh my god but i i still love the like her and there was some some guy, I think it was a physicist or maybe it was an engineer, someone who worked though at NASA, I remember who was personally offended when she said that her stickers were made from a NASA-derived space age material. <laughs> her stickers that had healing properties. And he's like, first off, no, it's not. He's like, 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 like there is oh like, 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 do not She's believe her. So stupid. They had to like literally like threaten to sue like multiple times NASA to get her to pull down just bullshit. It's like, why is why does she have a voice? Like, why how Dude, so many people like just fucking love her. I she can't. and Trump are the same. Are the same illness. They're just different symptoms of yeah. it. Yeah. Of oh, like, yeah. like I don't care what reality says. I like the way these assholes make me feel. <laughs> like, like, I know. It's just like <laughs> the. F- I don't know. Um. Weird. 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 Uh, mini rant at the end. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um. I think we should end here. Yeah. This is a good good time to. To drop off this is a good episode yes very good episode very happy last Excited. one for the main part with robbie he does come back for the end of the season again but this is like a little bit of a last hurrah until that next the next two-thirds of it oh god i can't wait well, and right. we, oh, we're gonna be so raw man because we get ward coming and miss, messing with our emotions more than ever i know we hate him so much now <sighs> I know. Alrighty. Where can people find you? People can find me uh, at I snow nothing. Um, Yeah. I don't even know what I'll be doing in a couple weeks. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows what the world, like we could be at war. Like hopefully not. Uh, Yeah. Like, like yeah, real, real bad shit could be going on. Maybe that's why I'm thinking about war movies so much. It's why it's uh, 1917 was so resonant. Like being actually worried that, we're going to start a world war. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. <laughs> Fucking crazy shit. Where can people find you? You can find me at space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Uh, you can find this podcast at project Tahiti on Twitter. You can send us an email at project Tahiti pod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the things you can listen to us. Uh, in your browser at but why um and thank you all so much for listening to project tahiti it's a magical place catch you later bye